straight out of Austin, Texas. It's On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com, with your hosts, Statesman Sports Columnists, Cedric Golden and Kirk Bowles. Often imitated, never duplicated. Hear it here first, On Second Thought. On Second Thought, episode 315, brought to you by Hook'em.com, our good friends at Bud Light. I'm Cedric Golden, joined as usual by the Duck, Kirk Bowles. And Duck, if there was a Mount Rushmore of Texas quarterbacks, I know there are two that we wouldn't be able to get on the podcast because James Street and Bobby Lane are dearly departed. But the second best quarterback in Texas football history Colt McCoy, that's my opinion, is joining us this week. He's the newly inducted member of the Texas Sports Hall of Fame. How are you, Colt? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for uh, letting me join you guys' famous podcast. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> well, man, we're, we're, we're glad to have you. Hey, and we've done a lot. lot. 315 is a lot. It's a lot. Right. And Tex and Cedric and I are both on the uh, nominating committee, and we nominated you for the Texas Sports Hall of Fame, and you went in on the first ballot. No surprise at all. So uh, you've come a long way from Jim Ned, haven't you? <laughs> long ways from <laughs> Buffalo Gap, right? Yeah, um, exactly. Thank you so guys for for nominating me. I'm I'm uh, extremely honored by uh, the opportunity to go into the Texas Sports Hall of Fame. I mean. That wasn't ever really on my radar or a dream of mine, but um, I'm very thankful for it, for sure. You know what? You go 34-2 and two at, at Tuscola Jim Ned. You go 45-8 and eight at Texas, 79-10 and 10 in high school and college. Okay, now let's get to the pros. I mean, uh, okay. <laughs> everything that goes up yeah. must come down. We got uh, yeah. taping this on a Tuesday, and that was trade. That was the deadline for trade day. A lot of free agent signings, and um, you were you know let go by the Cardinals. You're a free agent, and the question that everybody around me wants to know is: Colt McCoy at age 37 still want to play in the NFL? <laughs> you know, I think if the opportunity was right, I certainly would play. Um, I'm so thankful for you know, what I've been able to do in the NFL, like play 13 years, it's my 14th season, um, you know, but I've got to evaluate, you know, my wife and my kids, four kids, like uh, where we are as, as a family. And, and uh, you know, it was tough to get let, let go by Arizona. But um, at the same time, uh, I feel extremely blessed for um, my time here in Arizona and if the right opportunity came up for me to go uh, play in the NFL again, which, you know, there's certainly opportunities out there, I, I would I would probably do it. But, um, you know, I'm just praying through a lot of things. And if it's right, it's right. And um, outside of that, I'm thankful for my health. And, and uh, you know, I feel, I feel very good about kind of where I'm at. Is the phone ringing, Cole? Yeah, the, phone's, the phone rings a lot. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm flattered by that, to be honest. Uh, you know, I went through an elbow surgery uh, over the offseason, uh, really fought through that and uh, got to be healthy. So um, we'll see. Yeah, I think I think there's a good chance. But at the same time, like it's going to have to be um, the right fit and the right opportunity. And 
you know, I'm evaluating a lot more these days than when I was back in my fifth, sixth, seventh years in the league. So, I mean, you know, NFL, as we all know, stands not for long. You belie that. I mean, having been around more than a decade and, uh, and you've got a great reputation in the league. Everybody knows that. And I'm sure you hear that from coaches all the time. And it can get complicated with politics and contracts and everything like that. But uh, you got to feel happy with your reputation, don't you? Well, I, I mean, I worked really hard. Um, but I'd be the first to tell you that it's it's not just off my hard work that I've got to play and, and be in the league this long. You know, there's a lot of coaches and a lot of teammates that have crossed paths with that have really helped me along the way. Um, I know the Lord has had his hand in it. Um, and so I'm, I'm grateful for all of that. And, you know, if the right opportunity comes, I would, I would think hard about it, but at the same time, I I count my blessings when I wake up every day. You know, and, and, and you've got your faculties about you. It's a violent game. Um, you're a father of four, wonderful wife, Rachel, coach McCoy still running your camp. Chase, yeah. big timing, everybody flying off to the no U.S. Question. when he knew that I was there to talk to him at your camp. I'll deal with him later. Um, <laughs> if if you're done playing football, and, and Kirk and I have always thought that you, that you could be a head coach in a league because you're a student of the game. You know mm-hmm. the business side of it, the good and the bad, and you know people, and, and that's that is very important. Um, you're friends with with Vikings coach Kevin O'Connell, Sean McVay of the Rams, not far from you in age. So you've got confidants there. Would you ever consider a, a head coach, not a head coaching, a coaching job, period, in college or in the NFL? Yeah. No, that's a great question. You know, I've again I'm very fortunate with the coaches that I've played for and some of the relationships that you've built um in the nfl um that i would have to like switch my mindset from a player to being a coach but um i certainly think it's been beneficial for me to play in you know a lot of different offenses you know lots of arrows in my quiver if i ever wanted to go that route um you know you don't you don't choose that right i would love to have just played in one system for a long time kind of like college uh but you know circumstances in the nfl are are very different um, and so, yeah, I feel like football is what I've done my whole life and I love the game and, you know, I, I still see myself as a student of the game. I'm still learning. I'm doing a little show on the side each week called scheme where I break down, you know, a few different things that I'm seeing on tape or whatever. And, and I really enjoy that side of it. So I think, you know, I'm not shutting the door to any of those things. I would say that, you know, I like watching college football. I like watching NFL. I just like football. Um, so I, I would hope that I'd have the opportunity to stay around the game in some capacity, you know, when I decide to hang it up, which could, could be now. Like I, I really, we'll see what, we'll see what happens. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm just grateful for, you know, there, there's been some ups and downs in the league for sure, but I've lasted a long time. And I know that there's players that have probably been, uh, much more talented than me that that didn't make it this long, right? So, a lot of hard work, uh, a lot of um, people helping me along the way, a lot of faith, and uh, I'm just thankful for my health. Like I'm waking up right now, feeling great, and 
I hadn't done that in a long time. So, yeah, don't underestimate uh, not, 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 not in, not in November. You haven't been, you, <laughs> That's right. you're broke. You're banged up in November by now. Exactly. Exactly. Well, right. Have, have, have people approached you about coaching already on either the college or NFL level? Yeah, I get, I get asked about that all the time. Do you? Um, yeah, I think it'll just be something I'll have to pray about and think about. And again, like that's a, that's a, a transition or a switch in your mind to, to be able wow. to do that. And I just, I hadn't really gone there yet, but you know, we'll see. Yeah. Man, that faucet. How do you turn that faucet off? You've been playing football since you're five years old and you're a coach's son at the dinner table at Christmases. It was football, 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 your poor mother. And I'm, I'm wondering <laughs> here you are 32 years later being, having to contemplate turning off that faucet. It can't be easy, can it? No, it's it's not right. I mean, I was I was certainly all in on this season, you know, especially after uh, all the rehab and the hours that you put in, and you know, we were we had gone into last year in Arizona, you know, with Cliff and our team, and uh, really feeling like the expectations were high, and they were high in the building, and you know, we kind of just didn't go our way. Injuries all over the place um, decimated us. You know, and then they decided to clean house and you bring in a new staff and a new front office. And, you know, I've obviously been through that transition before. So I kind of had my guard up a little bit. And and uh, unfortunately, that's kind of what happened and for me. And uh, but I'm grateful for my time in Arizona. And, and uh, you know, if the right opportunity is out there, I, I would certainly uh, entertain it. And, you know, I feel grateful that, you know, I've had a lot of calls, but at the same time, it's going to have to be the, the the right thing. You know, I'm not just evaluating myself and do I want to play? I'm, I'm evaluating my family and our life and my kids and, uh, you know, it's gotta be a 37 money. years old. And yeah, it's gotta be, money's yeah. got to be right. Oh, this yeah. money's got to be right. That's just, <laughs> yeah. that's just what it is. And you're not yeah, and I thought, $5 million a year. You got a family. Yeah. Okay? You got yeah. a family and risk is risk. You know, and there's a there's a lot of life outside of football, right? You know, you, mm-hmm. for everybody, there that you know, there's 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 going to come a time where you know, the end is closer than the beginning for playing football, and and uh, you know, I never dreamed that I'd play for 14 years in the NFL, but I'm, I'm grateful for all of it and the life lessons that I've learned and the things that I've had to go through and the hard work that you put in, and uh, so I I've got nothing to be ashamed of. I just got to evaluate, you know, what next is. Like you say, it's a violent game. You look at what happened there. Rodgers was like third play of the game. And and then, you know, Kirk Cousins goes down. Don't, down don't bring up Kirk Cousins. That's my fantasy league quarterback. Oh, okay. Sorry, man. On this show. I was <laughs> so, five uh, too. And now I'm looking at Jaron Hall. Oh, enough of your problems, okay? So are you watching, are you, you watching the games every Sunday, breaking them down? How, how are your Sundays look? Yeah, you know, I, I, I watch the games, but, I mean, I've got my coach and my girls and some volleyball. You know, my <laughs> son's constantly nagging me to go play catch with the baseball out in the front yard or the football. Uh, so I'm I'm in and out. You know, I certainly pay attention. I, I got a little show that I do on the side, which has been fun, kind of staying engaged. Uh, watch a lot of college football. Saturdays are fun. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I hadn't really had a chance to do that. Um, my wife and I went back to the uh, – to the Cotton Bowl when we played OU, that was that was a crazy fun experience. Classic. Uh, yeah, it was, but just the atmosphere, the 
you know, I got to walk through that stadium and sit up in the press box and like not have the jitters, <laughs> you know, just, <laughs> just be a fan. Right. And, and, you know, we lost a heartbreaker obviously, but it was, it was really cool to, to kind of be back and, and uh, hear the Texas fans and, you know, be in the cotton bowl, all the rich tradition that's there. And uh, that was, that was a really cool day. Well, you can, you, it's okay for you to go ahead and admit Colt that you didn't, you had no idea that we were forced to work under such rough conditions with those chairs that <laughs> don't move. They swivel, but they don't roll back. And when you're right. fat like me, uh, getting in that thing is an adventure to say the least. So you were having, there's, there's not, there's not much crap. space there. No, there's not oh. much space there. The whole like, thing. But I think, I think that's the beauty of it though. I, 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 I think that's old. the, that's the fun part about it. It's like everybody who's, ever played before you has played there right the, the memories and the games that you remember from there like just really cool do you uh when you when you're at the OU game did you watch it as a fan or do you watch it as a quarterback yeah th- I don't ever watch a game that I don't watch as a quarterback <laughs> it's just too hard yeah you know, I'm you're constantly breaking looking at fronts and coverages and pressures and who's open and what how we're trying to attack their t- coverages like you know, so I think Sark does a great job. Um, but watching it from the press box, it's a cool view. You know, like I did some broadcasting um, last year for the USFL. I thought that was pretty fun. So maybe nice. maybe that's that's an area that I that I go after. Well, you know, we'll see. I think right now I'm still in football mode, um, but you know, we'll see what happens. I know you're you've mentored Quinn Ewers, and you've you've been an advisor to him. He's always bringing you and Vince up how you guys have been so helpful anytime he had questions. What do you think about Malik Murphy? Um, he's going to start on Saturday against K-State. Um, did had, had his ups and downs in his first appearance, flashed that big arm. Um, what do you think his upside is? And, and if Quinn's out for more than a couple more games, uh, do you think he can still hold Texas's water and keep that Big 12 dream alive? Yeah, I mean, look, guys, I I look at it from a fan's perspective, right? Like, I I have no involvement, like with the with the coach. I mean, I just want him to win, just like you guys. Um, I think Quinn has played great this year. Um, I thought Malik Murphy showed some, you know, really really good things in the game. Like, it's his first start. I mean, oh, I yeah. played for for your first start. I thought he played awesome, mm-hmm. right? Like, there's there's always going to be a little turnover here or a mistake here. You know, I think for him to continue to play better, things just have to, just got to process things a little bit quicker, right? Like the game's just a little bit faster, right? The, the rush is going to get there a little bit quicker, right? This things just have to go. You guys just got to speed it up. Right. And that, I mean, but that's very, very, very common, right? It's his first start in the middle of the season, right? He hadn't played all year. So I thought I was very encouraged by the way that he played. I think Arch can play too. I think, you know, when Quinn comes back, you know, I mean, we have all the pieces to run the table. And I just hope, hopefully that's the case, right? For all the fans out there, like all of us. They're ready. They are ready. Uh, when you think about your first start, or your second start was Ohio State, wasn't it? That was rough. Yeah. That was, who was well, your you first start? You have been out there covering Anthony Gonzalez, Colt. I mean, that was a problem. That dude was brutal that day. It wasn't again. It was Gonzalez. I don't know, and we still should have won. Mm-hmm. We fumbled. We fumbled on the one yard line to to go up in the game in the second half. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
my first start was against North Texas, I believe, at home. And then we played Ohio State the week, the second week. But uh, good thing I got a shot at them a few years later. We didn't we didn't let that one slip away. Yeah, you did. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, how, how nervous were you that first start? I mean, I'm sure you're not thinking, you know, I'm going to start 53 games and have the NCAA record for wins or anything. Do you remember no. how fast it went that first game? Oh, yeah. I mean, like I was just – going out there to play my best because I knew that there was a really good player behind me. And if I didn't play good, he was going to be out there. <laughs> right. So I, that's sort of how I was really solely Evan. focused on, you know, playing as good as I could play. Right. And, you know, I was coming from a small school and, you know, one of the things I've told Arch this year is like, man, I, nobody wants to red shirt, right. Nobody. Right. It's, yeah. it's not like the cool thing to do. It's not the popular thing to do. Um, but at the end of the day, like, if you're asking me, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. Wow. I was able to learn. I was able to grow within the system. I was able to uh, watch and see what it looks like to play in this game, to be on the sidelines every week. Um, and so I, I knew the challenges that were ahead of me, you know, based on being there for a year and, and not playing. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think – as your first start, like for Malik, as you're going into play, like, yeah, I thought he did it. I thought he did a great job, like great job. You know, um, you've been asked a million times about the 09 championship game getting, getting hurt. Um, that was heartbreaking for the fan base, but I'm going to tell you, and I've always said that 2008 was the Mac Brown second best team. You guys were absolutely loaded on both sides of the field. Um, both sides. Mm -hmm. You had that defense, Rack Arakpo, Sergio Kendall, Earl Thomas, Roy Miller. I mean, good lord. And and then you had Quan and Ship. Um mm -hmm. so for me, I thought that the 08 represented Texas's second best chance to win a championship. And and I believe that a horrific tiebreaker system uh kept you guys from getting after Tebow and company uh do you, how often do you think about 08 because i know you think about 09 every day no question but how often <laughs> yeah. do you think about 08 because i thought that that team that beat ohio state in the fiesta bowl was i thought was the nuts yeah well i i i mean i'm not sure if this is a hot take or not but i would i think that the 08 team would have beat the 09 team i think it's not hot uh, it's the truth just not just off talent alone, but just that we were, we, we, we were kind of frustrated with how 2007 ended, you know, that we didn't really play up to our potential. I know personally, I didn't think I did. Um, and so there was just a lot of team building and, and closeness and unity on that 08 team um, that we, we just, we were going to, we were close. Right. And, yeah. you know, I think that definitely, helped us in 09 too, but we lost a lot of the good defensive players and some of the, you know, Qu losing Quan was, was, I mean, that, nobody really replaced him. Right. So it, it was, it was hard on offense, right. We had a bunch of young guys trying to step up and, and uh, pick up the pieces and, and, you know, we, we won all our games, but we were, we struggled through some, you know, especially early in the season, trying to figure out our identity and, you know, I often more than anything, I often think about what would 08 have been like if I would have still had Jamal Charles and Jermichael Finley with that oh. offense. <laughs> like that would have been That's pretty incredible. Point. 
Now that's a point right so, there. Yeah. 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 Um, wow. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm grateful for, you know, my time in college. The other thing I think about is like, I know, you know, the record was 45 and eight, but there's probably three or four or five of those games that I didn't even finish based off an of injury or a concussion, you know, that, mm-hmm. that I, that's what I think about. It's like, man, if I could have just not got hurt at Kansas state or not got hurt in a national championship game or, you know, finish the game when we were playing Kansas state at home or whatever it would be. Like, I still feel like we won those games. Yeah, exactly. A&M. Like we're only down 12 to seven. Like there's, you know, I, I just the games that I didn't finish that go on your record. Those are the hard ones. That's what you I think always remember the losses more than the wins. Is there, I mean, the winners, do. Sure. winners the winners are always the losses stay for with sure. you way more than the wins. Wow. Yeah. And when you think about that old nine game, I mean, uh, that was so big cult, as you know, because, you know, and Mac to this day, and I agree with him, thinks, you, you know, you play that. Said I both picked y'all to win. You guys, you know, Nick Saban's punting on his first possession. Faking a punt. Fourth and 10 from the point he's faking a punt. I'm sorry. You know, I mean, it's all right there. And who knows how history is re- rewritten if you don't get hurt, right? I know, man. You just you just never know. It's a hard one to, hard one to live with, um, you know. Everywhere I go, that's what people want to talk about, right? Um, yeah. But you know, it is what it is. I would have done anything to to uh, stay in that game. You know, I've I've dealt with that injury every day since, right? I still do rehab on that. So it's wow. uh, it it was frustrating, but at the same time, like you know, it's football. Like we yeah. sign up for it, and tragic things happen like that. I've seen so many guys on one play, just their careers are over, right? And but yeah, that's just like- that's this sport, you know, and that's this game. And, you know, I'm grateful that I got to play four years at the greatest university in the world. And, I, you know, if there was one thing I'd go back and change, it would be that game. But I, you, you can't go back in time. You Did you know instantly how bad it was when you got hit on that shoulder? And, yeah, know. I'd never experienced anything like that. I mean, it was it was over. Yeah. Um, That'd be you know, there's been a lot of there's been a lot of guys that have similar injuries to that and just you yeah. never really recover from it you just you fight and fight and fight and get it back to functional and manageable and it probably hurt you in the NFL is. didn't it oh go ahead Kirk it probably hurt you in yeah. the NFL didn't it and you took some yeah it's in Cleveland yeah well I wasn't I wasn't ready to play my rookie year in Cleveland my arm wasn't ready I was trying to play yeah. as a rookie in the NFL and not really given all week of practice because I just couldn't do it yeah. Um, but you know, that's that's neither here nor there. I mean, like it's not an excuse. It just that you had to just deal with it, right? And yeah, you know, I if I had come out in two thousand eight, you know, probably would have been a first round pick. So it hurts you in that category too. But I, I again guys, this these are great to like reminisce on, but I'm again I, I count my blessings every day for the hardships, for the good times. Like that's what this sport is. It creates uh, character it builds like your discipline. It builds your uh, emotional capacity, like the wins and the losses and the injuries and the things that you just have to navigate as a man and as a human being, like football has done that for me. Like, I feel like I'm a, I'm seasoned based on all the things that that I've had to go through. And um, you know, not a lot of it's not fun, but that's, that's, that's football. Yeah. 
if you don't go to Cleveland, you go somewhere else. Maybe so, everything's different, right? Freaking Cleveland, freaking yeah. Cleveland. We we mourned that day of the draft. We were like, just not Cleveland. Just yeah. it's back when the Steelers <laughs> and the Browns were really coming after people. Deep in James Harrison tried to end your career. We remember that. We remember that. Um, yeah, yeah. But I got to ask you this. So Kirk, uh, Kirk told me that you and and Ship Shipley spoke at his church. Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, he was on the podcast and told us that you guys nearly missed practice because one of your horses got stuck in a creek. In Please tell us that story from your viewpoint. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, there's quite a few stories like that, unfortunately. <laughs> um, Y'all yeah, are as so- country as you seem, apparently. You are cowboys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we grew up in a small town. There's not a whole lot to do out in West Texas. You got to find find stuff to get into. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it was our. It may have been my red shirt freshman year or something, and it was uh, Sunday after a game. And you normally had team meeting Sunday night. You know, you play the game Saturday and kind of off, and if you have an injury or something, come in Sunday morning. If not, there's usually a afternoon little walk through practice kind of get out the bumps and bruises and the mistakes and then there's a team meeting and uh so we like went out sunday morning and went and ride horses and literally Where? we were crossing Where did you go in austin or ride horses we were you know ship, ship grew up out in burnet so we were that's where you were in burnet okay. we were we were out in out in burnet he had a couple of buddies that had some horses and so we were just out riding horses and uh you know, we had cell phones, but cell phones back then were not like, I mean, no. there was no camera phone. There was no, it was still like, I think service. it was a flip phone maybe. Yeah. Service was bad. And so I, I just kind of lost track of time. And as we were kind of heading back, uh, we, we crossed through like a dry Creek, but it ended up being pretty muddy in the middle. And my horse just sunk <laughs> and like he went across and I'm stuck. Like we don't have a rope. There's, I mean, I could get off and walk, but we're a long ways away from wherever our truck was parked or the house. And uh, I could have jumped on with him, but you can't just leave a horse. Man doesn't leave his horse behind. No, never. And so we went through this long process. And and in that process, we kind of lost track of time and um, ended up missing the meeting that night. Nice. Well, there was also a sort of uh, freshman development um, class that night hosted by Miss Sally Brown. Oh, and wow. it was, yeah, it was all upstairs. a, uh, yeah, cookies. Yeah. Always cookies. Right, yeah. And it was like an etiquette class where you go and you like a fine dining, you know, like which side your forks and your spoons are on, which drink to drink out of first. And all, you know, all the things that a guy from West Texas has no idea about. <laughs> and so I sort of, remember that that is i've already missed the meeting and i know i'm going to hear about that so i have jordan just drop me straight off at the at the fine dining sort of etiquette class and i walk in with just like mud all over me like mud on my boots like i'm trying to clean up and and you know some of the other guys in my class look at me like bro where have you been (laughs) you're in so much trouble (laughs) <laughs> and miss sally looks at me and just kind of gives me one of those like hmm, I'll pretend like i didn't see you and 
I sat down and went through the meal and, you know, coach Brown calls me and says, can you come by my office? And I'm like, yep. And yeah. so I, I go and, and, uh, he's like, where were you? And I was like, I'm, I'm sorry, coach, you know, my horse got stuck in the mud. <laughs> he hadn't heard he's that like, one. What? <laughs> he says, excuse me. I was like, yeah, you know, we were just out riding. Why, why were you riding horses? We, we just played a game yesterday. <laughs> I, I mean, we were just, you know, I thought it was a good idea. I'm, I'm sorry that I missed. And, you know, after a lot of disciplinary actions that he placed upon me, he basically oh. said, don't you ever be late for any of my meetings and don't ever come back and tell me that you were, your horse was stuck in the mud. <laughs> he didn't believe you. He didn't believe you. I don't know if he believed me uh, or not. But I'm t- I, I mean, I'm a God-fearing man. I tell the truth. and that's exactly <laughs> what happened. You got a one time. said your dog ate your homework. I mean, he probably would have bought that one. Uh, I don't know. Country boys. I I bet he, I bet he believed it. I bet he believed it. So all I know is he was not happy. I know that for a fact. (laughs) You didn't think he was going to kick you off the team. You weren't that. (laughs) I was nervous. I was very nervous. I didn't know what I, I, I've never missed a meeting before. Right. I was one of those deals. And Bernie's not like right next door. That was like an hour away. Down the, down the street. You know what it's like to be on Mac's bad side because you played for him for five years, but you didn't, but you won a lot of games. Imagine being us. I mean, <laughs> we're still on his bad side and we haven't seen him in <laughs> eight years. So. <laughs> uh, you don't want to be on Coach Brown's bad side. I know that. Uh, no, we you know. Don't. We know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, man, we, we are so glad we hooked up with you, man. You, you are royalty for every Longhorn and class act. And uh, yeah, it's just been a pleasure for us to talk to you and to cover your career because, because you were as good as it got. Well, I appreciate that. I'm thankful for my time there and uh, appreciate you guys covering the team for so long. And, you know, I, as a fan now, I hope that we can figure out a way to punctuate this season. It would be, it would be awesome to see them um, figure out how to win the big 12 on their way out. Wouldn't it? They're, yes, as ta- they're as talented as 09. They they have they have a lot of boxes checked and yeah. um, they just need to get it get their quarterback back and and don't run into any upsets because uh, Big 12 is always a minefield, you know that. And uh yeah. we 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 think that they have the opportunity and man, we're tired of going to the Alamo Bowl. I know that. And um <laughs> be nice to to take a uh, plane ride to a bowl game, like that would you, be nice. y'all, all your your teams yeah. always used to take. Right, cold. we miss those. Right, we miss well, those. We, bowl was fun. Those bowls are fun. We hope to see you on the field again before your career is over. We want you to retire on your own terms, and uh, look forward to seeing you in Waco at the Hall of Fame banquet, April thirtieth. Right. Tickets. I'll be there. Thank you again for everything. And, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I look forward to that. That's a, that's a huge honor. And, and I'm, I'm proud of that. Hey, coach, say hi to the old man and uh, tell Chase, I mean, tell um, uh, Case I'm looking for him. <laughs> okay. All right. Sounds man. good. Later. Thank you, right. Paul. Take care. See you guys. On second thought. How great was Colt McCoy, Doc? I mean, didn't even come after you for not voting for him when he was a senior. I did as a junior. I did as a junior. Come on. 
No one remembers that, man. I, I, one... I can't vote for Lauren every year. Yeah, okay. you can if you're a long. You went to Texas. Be a homer for once. I I voted for him. I voted for Ricky, who they're honoring on Saturday, by the way. And they're they honoring. You know how they can really honor him? No. They give, give Jonathan Brooks about thirty-five times and let him run for two hundred yards. Let him wear number eleven. There you go. That you would know, be fun. Well, I think that'd be a great game plan because uh, you know both teams are going to want to run a lot now. Of course. Sark, you know, eight out of the first ten plays were passes last yeah, week. Yeah, but he explained that, Duck. He wanted he did. He, he, he did. very well he to get him lathered up. He didn't want him to the third and eight to throw the football. I like that strategy. I did too. And it was BYU. He wasn't afraid of BYU. Yeah, and now he's he's got full respect for K State. Healthy respect. He does know that how how good. So you think they'll they'll turn Malik loose? In his second start or not? They're going to turn Jonathan Brooks loose. Yeah. In his second start. I Jonathan agree. Brooks is going to get 24. Between JB and CJ, there's going to be 35 or 36 carries. Yeah. He's only had 22 in a game. That's his career high. I think I think he's going to get 25, and I think CJ Bax is going to get 11. I can see that. I think. But I here's a bigger question. And I've been thinking about this today, Doug. Okay. They've got K-State mm-hmm. at TCU, which is never a given, even if TCU's struggling, and at Iowa State, which is which is not happy that neither one of us really believes in them if you've listened to the Longhorn Confidential podcast. Let's just say that Quinn is a little more hurt than we know, and he's out for the next three games. Is Malik Murphy good enough for the Longhorns to run this little – four-game gauntlet, including Texas Tech on Black Friday to get them to the Big 12 championship game? I say yes because man does not live by Malik Murphy alone, okay? Uh, preach, preach, brother, preach. He, he may be buttering Steve Sarkeesian's bread uh, for another bread reference, but uh, he he's got such a great – I don't even want to say supporting cast because a lot of people might say that he's the supporting cast. I'm one of those people. I That's fair. I'm not Jonathan hating. Jonathan Brooks is the bell cow on this. He is the bell cow. And the offensive right the line, the much maligned offensive line, is expected to be better now that Quinn Ewers is out. So there are people way more experienced than young Malik Murphy that are going to have to get their ish together for Texas to win these next four games with or without Quinn Ewers. And that's what Malik did well in start number one. He got the ball in the hands of his playmakers. A.D. Mitchell, two touchdowns. Xavier only caught four balls, but he had that big 74-yard punt return. Jatavian Sanders, a bunch of big catches. You already mentioned Jonathan Brooks, but – as you said, C.J. Baxter looked sharp and fresh and explosive. So did Jadon Blue. So they've got a lot of weapons, as you and I both know. And it, they're, they'd be a hard, hard team to defend, don't you think? Yeah, because yeah. you don't know where it's coming from. Yeah. And, and maybe if they if they load the box, and I expect them, Duck, 
How do you I expect Kleiman to load the box on Saturday and try to shut down that run and make this young quarterback beat him. And he's going to have ample opportunity to mm-hmm. make some plays downfield because you can't load the box and 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 play Tampa two at the same time. That that's just not going to happen. That safety's going to be in the box, Duck. Sure. One of those safeties going to creep down and try to take away JB. Mm-hmm. And will Malik Murphy be able to make a pay? That's the question. You know, and the other thing for the deep game, a lot of times you got to hold them off. You know, to give the quarterback time. You know to get rid of the ball for for some of those deep routes. And you know how bad Sark wants to do that. He wants to push the ball downfield. He always does. He did with Quinn last year, even when Quinn wasn't hitting him. He he loves the deep ball, and he loves the threat of the deep ball just as much. And uh, it's going to be a really interesting game plan because, you know, Oklahoma was a great, great game. Houston – and everybody kind of thought there, but what were they? Three touchdown favorite, you know. Again, three touchdown favorite over BYU. But this is this is OU like. This is uh, playing an equal and a uh, tough team, tough team. And I think you know as much as the defense showed up last week against BYU, this was really a bad BYU team, didn't you think? They were, yeah. They didn't have a whole lot of juice at all. No, they could. I was kept waiting on something to happen, and yeah. mean, this is not this is not Jaron Hall or Tyler Algier BYU. No, it's, it's not. not. It's, it's not. not. They just didn't have a whole lot going for them, and I wonder about Kalani Sataki moving forward in the Big Twelve. I mean, they've been taking it on the chin as has Cincinnati. <laughs> so these newcomers haven't really haven't really put their stamp on the old-school Big 12 teams as of yet. The old dogs are still running this show, Doug. Yeah, we kind of figured the newcomers were a little down this year. You know, Cincinnati, not a whole lot of offensive punch. You know, UCF, for whatever reason, you know, they haven't put it together either. But next year, when you got like a a, uh, Utah and an Arizona coming in on a high, you know, that's going to really pose some problems for – uh, the old Big Eight, Big Twelve teams. So we'll see, man. We'll see. This is a chalk. This is a full, full chalk, full podcast that we're bringing you today. So we wanted to talk a little bit of Texas K K State uh, after the legend Colt McCoy took his leave, but we've got another former Longhorn great that's joining us. Stay tuned. Welcome Alex Okafor to On Second Thought. On Second Thought. Duck, we were at the Derrick Johnson Defend the Foundation Gala. Great event. Fundraiser at the Four Seasons. And quick story, I mean, there were some very familiar faces in the crowd. We saw Brian Arakpo, Michael Griffin, Fozzie Whitaker, Thomas Baskin, the host himself, Derek Johnson. And I looked across the way and Duck, you go, who is that? I go, it's too young to be LeBron James. And he's not talking about <laughs> I go, don't like it. <laughs> what did I say, Kirk? I go, that's Big Oak over there. That's Alex Okafor. Pride of Pliggerville. Pride of I was surprised y'all recognized me off the rip, man. People usually got to give two or three guests. No. So, I was impressed. <laughs> 
It took me. It took me about about a minute. I go, Doug, that's and I go, that's Alex Okafor, and I, I could just tell because you're tall, and 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 I just I just saw it. I just saw this, and then you smiled, and I go, that's Okafor, yeah. and then you came over and spoke to us, and you know what? Kirk was like, he's never been on the podcast. No, no, no. Yes, he has, Doug. Episode two hundred eight. Alex Okafor was right. on the podcast and. Here's what I didn't tell you, Oak. Um, when I was texting, when I was uh, texting you, when I showed you your number, two Okafors came up. Miss Sonia's name number came up. I still have your late mother's phone number yeah, yeah, that's in awful. my phone because she would blow me up. <laughs> and I, and I, if you didn't listen to 208, here we go, Doug. So I was... Um, I just got in the column for a couple of years and and, and Mac moved Alex inside because they were just getting gashed. They were getting gashed. And Alex was what, 250? Yeah, I was, I was, it was the beginning of my sophomore year. I was like 250 soaking wet. Like I hadn't even put on all my weight yet. And he's going up against these big monsters, and and I'm like, his and I wrote his sack numbers are down, you know? And then so yeah. his, um, his mom called me and she, <laughs> and, and I, you know, this was back when we were in the office, you know, answering phone calls in the office. We never go in the office now, Alex. We never go in there now. And so my office phone rings and I pick it up. It's just Sonia O'Coffer. I go, O'Coffer. She goes, you need to know something about my son, Alex. I go, oh my God, it's Alex Okafor's mother. Duck, you were there. I go. I remember. Read you the riot act. <laughs> well, you need to write in there that that Alex is playing defensive tackle and giving up seventy five and eighty pounds to exactly. the blocking him. He's not on the edge anymore. And man, I told I hung up and I go, that woman is right. <laughs> I was wrong. And I had, she set me straight. Uh, rest in peace, God love her. Alex, my mom passed in. Um, july and you know there's a club we never want to belong to i know kirk's mom's been gone for a while but it's really a pleasure to be speaking with two other mama's boys on this podcast uh you're a tv star now tell us what you've been doing on local television oh, get man. up on folks <laughs> look says you got to pump the brakes on the tv star I'm, 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 I'm trying to get to that point i ain't there yet man you you're close people thinking i didn't already made it when i'm looking for the opportunity um, what are you doing yeah. though you need to let them know yeah so i'm 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 trying to break into that sports analyst role so they, they got me on kview and ki late nights like around 10 or 11 just breaking down plays from the previous week from the longhorn game so I've kept a good relationship with those guys, just like I have with y'all. And, you know, now that I'm done playing, I had to call in a few favors. So they're yeah. like, we can't put you prime time, but, you know, we got a couple slots in the midnight hour that we could throw you on. So they're letting me get experience and uh, get comfortable in front of the camera. Paying your dues. That's what you got to do, as you know. And hey, Doug, shout out before you go, Doug. Yeah. Shout out to my guy, Jeff Jones. Mm-hmm. He's one of the best. And our and friend of the podcast, Bob Alou. Those are two of the brightest stars in our area in sports broadcasting. And just follow their example. You'll be in Bristol before you know it. Good, <laughs> good so, people man. to learn from, you know. And so so I don't know how many 
people have caught uh, AOs, X's, and O's on Bob Blue Sunday night. But uh, man, you bring it. I mean, you you seem like a natural AO. I mean, you just you just very calm, composed. You know, you just break it down in real simple terms. So, I mean, you seem like a natural for this. I can't believe your phone hadn't blown up yet from Fox or ESPN. So it's just a matter of time. No doubt. It's, it's definitely been a learning curve. So, so talking about the game is the easy part. Now the, the hard part is learning mannerisms, eye contact with the camera instead of like looking at the ground, what to do with my hands, making right. sure I'm not swaying all the time. So that's been the learning curve right there. Luckily, I, I've played the game a long time, so I know what I'm talking about. Now comes everything else. So just trying to work through those things. Word of advice, just, just be yourself. Let yeah. your personality exactly. run through. The guys <clears throat> with personality are the guys that make it. We we knew Sam and Emmanuel Ancho were personalities when they came on this campus, and look what these guys are doing now. And a lot of it is just like you. They have a great knowledge of football, and just like you, they have great personalities, and they have the television look. You have that look. Don't yeah. get fat. Don't get <laughs> that. That's been difficult as well, too. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, our whole lives, we've been forced to be in the weight room. And now this first year on my own, I've kind of grown a resentment to the weight room. So I'm, I'm <laughs> going to club. so i gotta i gotta retrain you know my my will to get back into the weight room so i've been trying to figure that out so you're not at your playing weight right now i'm just so i've always been a guy that had to eat to hold weight so i knew once i stopped playing i was gonna start shedding weight so that's where i'm at now it is it's not a it's not a great it's not the worst problem to have, but it's not a great yeah. thing just because you'll start your arms will get skinny, but that midsection gets bigger. So, <laughs> ain't how that works. Was, well, you, know. that's you ran around so much, you were so damn athletic and stuff. <clears throat> and you know, you're a guy that ended up his uh, NFL career at 31 sacks. And and just to transition that, pass rush has kind of been an issue with these Longhorns. And you look at the edge rushers, and they've got eight sacks. I mean, they've got 19 sacks as a team, but that's only 48th in the nation. So how would you break down the pass rush, especially from the edge rushers, Sayo? Yeah, um, I will say that I think coming breaking down pass rush as a whole, I, and you said specifically the edge rushers, but I want to kind of highlight the inside, guys. I think that's okay. the strongest part of our pass rush right now. I think what Sweat and Murph, and even when you get Broughton in there and some of those other boys in there, I think they're providing the most rush inside. Yeah, um, right. and then kind of transitioning to edge, Sorrell, I think is I love Sorrell. He's like my little bro, man. He's a hell of a player all around. I think he's a great dude. Um, he'll play at the next level for sure. But winning clean on the edge isn't his strength. So it's like we got to get we got to find that guy that can get clean wins on the edge. And I felt like we we had something brewing with Anthony Hill in that Alabama game. Yeah. Yes, then, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, and then the coaches kind of never went back to that rotation, which I'm I'm a little confused about. I am I, we too. love we love Anthony Hill. We just mm-hmm. he just drips athleticism, mm-hmm. and you know we. <laughs> I got to bring it up again, Doug. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. 
We thought Jatavius Sanders should have played defensive end instead of tight end. Stop it. Stop it. Yeah, Sam, we it. saw him in high school. They could yeah. block They yeah. could block him in high school. He had six mm-hmm. sacks in a state championship game. He's a 6A kid, and he's stop. not doing that against bums. That kid was unblockable. Yeah. He's so a great guy. I'm not hating, but I. Yeah. yeah, I never saw his high school tape, so I go to I, YouTube. You guys, oh, yeah. go to YouTube and then to get back with me. Unblockable, he was. So you mean to this day, even after what he's done at tight end, you still feel like he should have came in as a D end, or I, I got off of it. He okay. can't. <laughs> you see, he got running down the field for fifty yards. <laughs> Yeah, you got to shut the hell up all that stuff. I, I can't say it. it was his hands. He got great hands too. He's got great hands, and they they ignore him sometimes, which I don't get. But yeah, I, I just thought you know, and we ask him, we mm-hmm. ask him when he was a freshman. He goes, "Man, a line coach, Bo Davis, was like, you got to have some dog in you to be a DN." I go, you, "They couldn't block you at Den Ryan." He goes, I <laughs> "And I left it alone, but." Uh, we love Anthony Hill, and they're they're moving him around all over the place, and that's something that DJ told us uh, when he was on the podcast earlier in this before the season that they were going to be doing. Uh, do you think that that if they put him on the edge full time, that that would help solve some of these problems? I think so, um, and I get what the Texas coaches are doing. Like, you don't want to just box him in at such a young point in his career. And obviously, he can be successful at linebacker or DN. If you're talking linebacker, you see Derek Johnson. If you're talking DN, you kind of see Sergio Kendall. So it's like, where, like, who do you want him to be? And I think he kind of gets to control that a little bit, too. And that's what they're trying to figure out right now. Now, kind of going back to what you said, I would love to see him on the edge. What I saw during the Bama game, I know it was a small sample size, but I haven't seen Electric, yeah. I haven't seen excitement like that on the edge in in a long time. So after I would Jeffco after you left, yeah, probably, probably. So I, me selfishly, that's where I want to see him. But I mean, I get what the coaches are doing because they don't want to box him in at such a young age. So well, you know, and I think he makes the perfect spy on mobile quarterbacks, and and he's done that a little bit, and a little bit against, I guess, Jalen Milrow, but. I mean, wouldn't he have been the most effective stopper for Dylan Gabriel, who ran for like 115 yards? That's what I yeah. didn't understand, Alex. See, I didn't even think about that, but uh, that's a good point because Milrow's legs were basically eliminated during the Bama game. He yeah. wasn't made one long run, I think, throughout right. the whole game. That was about it. And vice versa, you see Gabriel, and he shredded us on the ground. So that's a good point. I didn't even think of that. But, yeah, I mean, I would love to see him in the spy situation, in a rush package situation. I, we need a little more juice out there, and I think we have the answer. We're just not – Yeah. We're not using them right there at the moment. So I mean, 19 sacks just ain't going to get it in eight games. I mean, Aggies have 33, you know. Penn State's mm-hmm. got 32. So And and, uh, and last year they didn't sack them either, but they were like number two in the country in pressures. They, they, they get hurried the quarterback, couldn't get him on the ground. You're right, Sid. So, uh, but you're right. Those that interior is special with Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy and you know Vernon Broughton, AC Alvin Collins, mm-hmm. Alfred Collins from Bastro. Do you see long NFL careers for you know Murphy and T Sweat? Do they look like guys that could come in and and play a long time in the NFL? 
Yeah, I do. I'm I'm excited to see how uh, T Sweat tests in his uh, pre-draft process because I think he's going to be one of the most exciting prospects um, upcoming. Obviously, everybody knows his size, but right. I didn't know he had feet like that. I didn't know he could rush the way oh, he man. was rushing. <laughs> he's a problem in there. He's a problem. Yeah, absolutely. So that's exciting to see as well. So I mean, and then going back to Murphy, these young undersized D tackles at three tech, that's what's running the league nowadays. You see the Aaron Donalds, the Grady Jarrett's, Malik Collins, those type of guys. So I think they'll both play at a high level in the NFL. And that's not just those two. I think Sorrell will play. Um, those are our, our upper class. I think Collins has a chance to get in there and make some noise if he gets into a camp. So, I mean, I think we got a lot of poten- NFL potential on that line. What's what's Baron Sorrell's best position? Should he, should he be a linebacker? What do you think? You know, Is he being a little miscast where he is? I think so. I see him as a – I see him as like a six tech end type of thing where he'll, he'll kind of follow the, t- follow the tight end around on the D line. Um, yeah. I, haven't seen, I haven't seen enough from him in coverage to say that he can be a, an outside backer. Um, but I, I can definitely see him as a six tech end. And then as he continues to add more tools in his pass rush game, become that, you know, that four down end that can, that can surprise a lot of teams. How, how important is it, your hands? Because you talked mm-hmm. about getting a clean break off the edge. Is that is that a hands issue? Uh, you know how these guys are swiping, how they swipe away the rusher and then get up underneath them. Is that mm-hmm. something that he needs to work on? It's a – so I just think uh, he just developed – like I've talked to I've talked to Barron, and he just started to develop his rush moves a little bit later in the process. So, like, where he's at now and where he was at two years ago is night and day, and he's going to continue to get better. But I just think he hasn't worked his signature rushes enough to win on him consistently. So, but I mean, you talk about hands. I think it's hands and hips combination. I think those two yeah. are the most important things when it comes to him. Yeah, Ethan Burke, another young kid with raw talent. He's hurt right now. You mm-hmm. know, didn't play last week. And <clears throat> we'll probably sit out Saturday against uh, K State. Do you see any of that quick twitch uh, fiber out of Ethan Burke? And could he be a rising star out in the D end? I'm not gonna lie. Ethan Burke is an interesting prospect. Um, I like I like what he's provided the horn so far. Um, I'm not gonna lie. When he came to Texas, I I had my expectations weren't that high on him. Like I knew he could be a serviceable player for us. Yeah. But I wasn't expecting what I've seen so far, and I'm pleasantly surprised. His motors through this roof, and he just he's one of those guys that just finds a way to make plays. Like you don't know how, you don't know what he's doing special. <laughs> But he finds a way to get his name in that box score and make impactful plays. So I think I don't think that can be ignored, and you have to keep tossing him out there. Yeah, yeah he may not know how either. He's not polished yet. But he <laughs> came in that press. He came in that press room, Alex, and I didn't know he was that. He's six seven. He's See, I haven't been next to him. I didn't know he was that big either. It's like, six, I six seven. You yeah, okay? And I was like, man, the basketball presser is down the street. I didn't you know because I, I watched him. I didn't. I'd never met him before. Was you know because he went to Westlake, and my <laughs> my little nephew plays for Huddle, and they played them two years ago in the playoffs. And he and Colton Vacek had like eight sacks each. It was it was like a father son game. It was just mm-hmm. horrific how how big and fast they were. And um, now that he's hurt, that they, they're missing that that energy and. Um, 
I think maybe hopefully back in a couple of weeks. I don't know. I don't know. But who on this team besides Anthony Hill, I got to ask you, has the has the ability to erupt in the second last four or five games? Someone that will give that four and a half sack performance that you gave in that Alamo Bowl over Oregon State. Now, we don't want to go back to the Alamo Bowl. <laughs> we We've don't. been there. I was Look, gonna say we passed. We're past the Alamo Bowl. Hopefully, I, man, I hope so. Just I love the city. Tired of the game. Tired of the game. Who besides Anthony Hill do you think could emerge? Man, specifically in the D line on the D line. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm still like I'm really high, probably higher than most on Collins, just because I've kind of seen what he's done at practice. I've kind of followed him. Him being a local guy. Um, I'm still waiting them to put that one like <laughs> game out there. So I'm, I'm gonna say it hasn't he's, happened. He's running out of games, Alex. Yeah, yeah. what's he missing, Alex? What what well, he's got the frame and mm-hmm. everything, and and we see flashes, but just not that right. consistency. I think so. I think this year he's gotten more consistent on the down to down basis and is playing really well. I think he plays a little bit too conservative for my liking. I'd like to see him take more chances. I'd like on that. On that 50 50 down on second down, I'd like him just Good. to pin his ears back and say, I'm going. Like, mm. I think he needs to add a, be just a tad bit more aggressive just to start getting those big splash plays. He doesn't come across as nasty as T Sweat and, and Vernon Braun. Those guys are, those guys are nasty, man. Those mm-hmm. guys are, gonna, those guys are gonna, gonna make an impact on the next level because they got that degree of nasty. I'm, I'm gonna run you over and make this happen. And, we haven't seen that consistently from Big Alfred. I don't know if you've seen K State at all. I don't know what your expectation is. I mean, they've been what are they like eighty-one to three against Houston and TCU the last two weeks? Not great teams, but they've just mauled them. And mm-hmm. I don't know what you expect to see out of K State, and you know how Texas is going to go about slowing them down. Yeah, so I have been I'd be lying if I said I know like I watch them religiously. I don't. Um, but K-State's one of those games where it's not about the tape. Like you it's a mentality for us. And yeah. I think tape and game plan go out the window. And it's like you gotta whip the man in front of you. And that's what I want to see on Saturday. Like I don't think I don't think what whatever game plan we put in is necessary, but that's not what's gonna win it for us. Our mentality is what's gonna win it for us, and that's what I want to see. We expect it to be a low-scoring, physical, run-heavy type game. And Texas seems to be built for this on defense. Um, and I know you're you're a defensive – you're a football analyst and you study offenses. Do you think Malik is going to be able to hold up against uh, probably the best defense that they've seen so far? Yeah. So from what I saw last week, and still – it's crazy. We talk about Malik so much, and his sample size is still so limited. Like, Man, yeah. Like even last week, he had some great throws, but I just I want to see a little bit more. Um, but I think it's all going to come down to the turnovers because in the passing game, he got the arm strength to to get it to every guy we need. Sark is going to have him ready on his first read and his second read. So I think it's going to come down to is he got to take care of the ball. And those turnovers last week, they were just inexperienced mistakes. Like, those are things we got to go through. When you put a new guy out there, he's got to learn to take care of the ball. But hopefully he can speed that process up in this week. No, look, we can't have none of that. 
You know, it's interesting. Uh, Sark on Monday, I don't know if said if you were listening to that too, how he talked about, you know, you're the backup quarterback and, and you're in practice and scrimmages and you're wearing that black jersey. You know they're not going to hit you. And so he thinks mentally, you know, you got to kind of get over that because you know you're not going to get hit. So you can take a little bit longer, you know, wait for that receiver to come open, maybe not move a little bit in the pocket to uh, evade a rush or something. And then, like you said, it's all sped up during the game and it's a process. So, you know, how he makes that transition, you know, because – and I was watching when, you know, you were breaking down with uh, Bob Blue on uh, Sunday night. And it's like, you know, he was kind of throwing off his back foot on that interception. Didn't probably didn't see the guy, the BYU defender in the flat. And then on the fumble, they were in his face almost as soon as he turned around. Remember, he that was wasn't so much. His... Yeah, no, I don't know either. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wouldn't that. either. But I think I thought Sark was just very smart in the way he described it. It's how quarterbacks got to go from that practice. I'm not going to get it, just mm-hmm. run the play to like, okay, live bullets are flying, you know, mm-hmm. during the game. But he sure has all the tools and a lot of poise and composure, doesn't he, Alex? Yeah, no, I love what I see from him. And it's, and that's what makes it difficult because our team is ready to win a national championship right now. But right. like for Malik to get to where he wants to go, it's all, like he can only learn through experience. And right. we just, where we're at, we just don't have the time to give them that experience. Like, we need you to show up as an A-plus player today. So yeah. it's, it's a tough situation. I feel for him. Um, <laughs> my, my message is just take care of that football. Sark's going to get you those yards in the air game, but take care of that football. Yeah, one thing I wanted to ask you about injuries, you had a lot of injuries in your NFL career, you know, from torn Achilles, you know, torn pec and ham and stuff like that. I don't know if you ever had that joint shoulder sprain like Quinn has. Uh, or if you'd been around other quarterbacks or athletes who had that, is that kind of a two-week, three-week, four-week process, or is it it's, is it kind of a pain tolerance thing, Alex? Yeah, no, that AC joint is tricky. Um, it's definitely a pain tolerance thing. Like, I mean, you're not going to see much on the MRIs, um, so it makes it difficult. It's case-to-case. Everybody wants to say he's going to be out two weeks, but – I've right. seen situations that's kept players out six weeks. So it just depends on the person and the severity of it. Um, it's a tough injury to come back from. It, just, it hurts sleeping on your side, like just normal rotation hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I can't really speak on where he's at right now. I just know that it's we got to be patient with him because it's case-to-case, it's situational. And everybody's different. Everybody's different. You're right. Survive in advance. All they got to do is keep winning. Uh, what are they, number – Eight seven. or number seven? No, seven. there were seven right uh, behind Oregon, right ahead of Alabama. But, you know, I worried, said and Alex, because Alabama's right behind them, you know. And, 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 and Alabama gets to play some ranked teams moving forward. They play LSU Saturday night. So if they were to beat LSU, Don't I'm a little know. scared they might leapfrog them, like, like Texas leapfrogged Oklahoma after hmm. the Steelers lost to Kansas. So nothing's guaranteed, you know. A lot of football left it's 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 just great to be getting to this time of year it's starting to get a little cold November and a little bit more and who knew that we'd have two Longhorn legends on the podcast this week Alex you didn't know this but you follow Colt McCoy on this oh, week's podcast great company right uh, two all-time greats to wear the burn orange so blessed to have you guys we are not going to wait another 100 episodes to have Alex back uh because we found somebody else besides Rod Babers that could tell us 
what what the little things mean. You know, we we only know so much. It's good to get an expert opinion, Doug. Yeah, but but Alex, don't forget us when you go national. When you're oh, when man. your career don't, blows, don't put a Manny Acho. Yeah, get all brand <laughs> new on us. I mean, I still got his number, uh, bro. <laughs> I'm just swamped right now, bro. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> remember us little people, Alex. Hey, yeah. listen, y'all, y'all know me long enough. Y'all know I, I ain't never gonna switch up, man. So uh, Ducky I'm still lives in Pflugerville, and I told him, I go, I'm moving to his neighborhood to try out a property back. <laughs> I'm gonna do it, Duck. I've got to do it. That's wrong, man. We appreciate you. That'll do it for episode three fifteen of On Second Thought. Thanks to Colt McCoy. Thanks for the great Alex Okafor. Our producer, Chandler Hoffley. We will do it again next week. For Duck Kirk Bowles, I'm Sad Golden. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to One Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com. Join Sad and Kirk every Thursday at lunch for a new episode. Archived episodes are available on iTunes and Google Android Play. 